Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Your Intention Matters, the podcast. My name is still Paul Madot, doing great here. Middle, end of October, we're online at sellingasimple.com. I'm jacked up for this one. I have Jake Housden. He is founder and CEO of a company called SDR League in La Belle Provence, Montreal. Jake, comment ça va? <laughs> ça va très bien, uh, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Admittedly, my French isn't as good as it should be after uh, having lived in this beautiful province for as long as I have. But uh, believe me, man, that's all I know. My daughter's six years old. She's now in French immersion. She comes out of her room, bonjour, ça va bien, and it's like, yeah, that's all I have to realize. That's all I know with French. It's such a beautiful language, and I wish as a kid I had uh, taken it more seriously. So, anyways, Jake, say hi to everybody, man. Provide a quick intro. Yeah, I hope everyone's having a beautiful day. Uh, Jake Housen here, sending lots of good energy your way. Um, really excited to talk with Paul here. I love, um, we have a, a kind of shared mindset around the importance of intention in selling. So I'm excited to dive into that and uh, help you guys learn any cool insights or just get to know me a little bit here. Yeah, Jake, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Your story is an intriguing one. So, so with that said, let's get into it. And so as you know, as we've been talking about before I hit record here, the title of the podcast is called Your Intention Matters. And that's really built on my premise that nothing is really given to any of us. And we all have different meandering paths. And it all starts with, with what's up top here, mindset and intention. And so I'm looking forward to you sharing your story. You ready to roll here? Absolutely. All right. Let's go back to Kingston, Ontario, Queen's <laughs> University. When, did, when, did you, when were you at Queen's? So I was at Queen's when I was 18 in 2010. So 2010. Okay. So let's go back to 2010 then. A uh, bit of a turbulent time still in the world. I mean, we were still coming out of the, the mortgage crisis of 2007, 2008 and into the next decade here. And so what, what did you take at Queens? And do you remember at the time, did you have any vision for what you thought you'd be doing? Here we are 10 years later. Yeah. So ever since I was very young, I had that entrepreneurial itch. Um, when I was in high school, started just for fun with a few friends, a clothing brand. Um, and we were, we did it because we liked it and we were creative and, you know, we'd wear the clothes ourselves and, and stuff like that. But, you know, we created an online store, got into a few boutiques downtown, um, a couple of retailers online. So since a young age, I would always see the world through that lens of, you know, even just going to Tim Hortons, I'd, you know, imagine, you know, how could they change this experience, you know, for the customer and mm. you know, things, right? So the impetus of going to business school for me was, I want to learn to start a business, right? And what's amazing about a place like Queens is it's this incredible ecosystem of all these different people. And there's a tremendous amount of value in the education itself. But what was really, I guess, most compelling for me was the experiential aspect of school and the people I would encounter there and those collisions that would take place that can kind of, you know, change the course of, of your life. So I, you know, got to Queens bright eyed and, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of the older students that all the ones that I, you know, kind of looked up to, they seem to be very involved on campus and all these things. And like I said, doing a lot in that experiential realm, in addition to, you know, doing well uh, with their academics. So in my first year, I wanted to really get involved with a lot of things and the Queens entrepreneurship competition 
was uh, something that's really appealed to me, of course. So I helped them out in my first year. Uh, I was 18. I was a volunteer. And what I was doing was hosting some of the teams that were coming to compete at this competition, basically. And I had two teams assigned to me, I remember. One uh, was something to do with getting your tee time set up on a golf course. And it was kind of <laughs> an with that. Um, which was, and it was three people, pretty sharp uh, folks who were working on that. And then there was a company at the time, which was called Ulala. Um, and, you know, it was these two founders from University of Toronto, and they were here and, and competing. So my job was to just, you know, make sure these folks were in the right places at the right time and, you know, sort of schmooze them a little bit. And yeah. they had a great experience and uh, really, really connected with uh, Daniel and James. They were the two, uh, two of the co-founders of Ulala. And they had built this mobile app for campus. And it was really by students, for students. At the time, you used to be able to go on there and get on the guest list at a, at a club near campus or, um, you know, get a coupon to save some money on your Quiznos sub or, you know, things like this, right? And there was a social wall, a feed where you could talk to each other. You could actually, in the beginning, even rate if people were hot or, you know, <laughs> right? so taking a lot of pages out of play, Facebook's playbook yeah. on that one. Um, and a big part of it was getting the extracurricular uh, bodies at the school involved, the clubs, the orgs, the student societies and all that. So anyways, they had done this at University of Toronto and McGill a little bit. And obviously Queens was a place that they thought would be nice to grow to. We really clicked. They had no one on the team that was, you know, biz dev or sales or anything outside of, you know, product and tech and dev outside of the CEO himself on the team. So I joined forces with them early on in my first year um, we used to go door to door so we'd you know get on princess street there in downtown kingston um, for any canadians listening that, that know that but uh and you know just go go place to place and i remember i was with the founder the first time and he showed me he did one and then he's like all right it's your turn you know so i went <laughs> and, you know just poked around the shop compliments a few things yeah and then kind of you know sparked the conversation up and you know had the iphone and was kind of yeah. pitching them how our business model at the time was you could put a coupon on the app, just like Groupon was really big at the time too. Yeah. Um, so that's what we were doing. Um, you know, got a lot of folks on board on the campus. We did this crazy virtual treasure hunt game where you could kind of chase people around and steal this virtual chest on the app, all kinds of crazy things. We got on the news and it was a big success. So that was kind of what brought me into this amazing sales world. And just like a lot of people probably listening, um, you know, I never chose sales, sales chose me, right? It's that typical uh, yeah. saying that we talked a little bit about before, Paul. So that's kind of how it started at Queens. You know, the entrepreneurial bug, uh, it, is it in your DNA? Does it come from your parents at all? Because like, my dad uh, was an entrepreneur for the longest time until he retired. And I don't know if my entrepreneurial spirit comes from that or not, but I know that, you know, my dad was able to, to make a living as a as an entrepreneur and provide and have a pretty good life and so that i guess that made a factored into my decision to leave xerox and leave the corporate world and take a shot at it any influence in your in your dna to do that as well early on i'm sure there is some there and i i think particularly both my parents were you know leaders but also kind of in the public realm um mm. so my father was a sergeant uh on for peel regional police uh, did a lot of different things, but he spent a long time on the TAC team, so the SWAT SWAT team. Um, so that's what he has done with his career. And my mom, she was a teacher, vice principal, and then she became a principal, so administrator of a school. 
my mom, I think in a different lifetime could, could be a heck of an entrepreneur. Like she is, you know, so scrappy and resourceful and organized and hardworking and on top of things. I mean, both my parents, great work ethic. And I think that that's very, as far as I can tell, it can be sometimes familial. So I'm very thankful to them. They've instilled that in me, but uh, yeah. So your dad's a cop and your mom's a teacher. Talk about two amazing, thankless jobs in a lot of circles because they do so much and yet it's almost just taken for granted. I mean, I've learned this year, even on on the parental side with teaching, like with me being a sales trainer, I'm so used to teaching, but I teach adults. The world shut down in March and all of a sudden I'm working from home with a six-year-old and a four-year-old and I'm like, these parents, these teachers, they need to make like $800 million a year because I didn't have it. I didn't have So, so kudos to your parents for, um, you know, the public service and, uh, and the impact that they've had, I'm sure on, on hundreds and thousands of people over the years. So. Yeah. And I guess Paul, um, as a youngster, I had to be pretty good at getting away with things, right? I had the two, uh, major authority totally. young person's life represented uh, at, in the domestic environment so yeah all right so let's talk about this okay so you finished queens uh, you, you, uh, you now have your career started we're into 2010 moving past this now and so what was your first I guess sales job post queens what was your first profession what did you get into yeah so um, during the summers I used to go to Montreal and, and work with the team and um before getting into all of this, before even um, I, I had I had used to do a bit of selling uh, for Shoppers Drug Mart. My aunt had worked there, so I did a very little bit of pharmaceutical kind of sales as a summer student. Um, but with it started with Ulala, really. So um, at the time, I didn't know what an SDR was, what an account executive right. was, any of these terms, right? I had Skype, and I used to use Skype to call into you know universities across the U.S. and Canada, yeah. basically. Um, even in the UK and, you know, other places uh, as well, but it was Skype and it was join me at the time. That mm. was the, uh, you know, a screen sharing tool that we used. And uh, yeah, we used to try to book a meeting at least every single day and uh, you know, just kind of did full cycle, started it from the ground up in our first year when we decided to directly sell um, the application to schools instead of uh, going for the other more B2C model, uh, we did over a million dollars in sales. So, uh, you know, we were like, hey, we're really onto something here. And that just became the model uh, going forward. Nice. And for the Americans listening, a shopper's drug market, the equivalent of CVS uh, that, down there in the US here, it's a pharmacy up here in Canada. And so how long were you with shoppers and uh, what was behind your decision to move on? Yeah, it was just a summer job, basically as a summer student, um, you know, a way to kind of build your resume up, right? Mm. And you're in university and college. Um, so my aunt, um, you know, had kind of teed that up for me in some way. And I went there and I remember I was calling into pharmacies and there was a shortage of one of the competitors, you know, drugs. And I was, uh, you know, having to tell them that we had this other one that was, you know, right. better, just as good or something uh, at the time. So you know, not, um, not something my soul was, was too into, but uh, that was the first, I guess, formal, you know, sales that I did. Okay. And so where did you go? Uh, I, I see in your resume here, your LinkedIn ready education. Talk to me about that. Cause it looks like you spent a bulk, uh, a bunch of years there. Yeah. So that's Ulala mobile. Um, so that was the company I joined, you know, in my first year at university. Um, I stayed with the company until after series B. So we actually went through Y Combinator too. Um, oh, you did? 
yeah, and kind of raised a Series B round and then acquired uh, one of our main competitors and um, rebranded the company to Ready Education. Gotcha. So that's uh, that's the same company. I was there for uh, almost eight years in total. Yeah, that, that that's a long time. I mean, I find today there isn't as much loyalty on either side today, employee to employer, employer to employee. Like you don't see many people 30 years at a company. It's not like, you know, I think about my, my parents age and I'm in my mid forties now. And there are a lot of people who used to work at Ford and they would just retire at Ford after 40 years working for the company. You don't really see that anymore. So, so eight years, end of November, sorry, uh, end of 2018, ready education after eight years, multiple roles there from the start to where you are. Uh, what can you share with me about uh, what happened there? Why aren't you there anymore? Yeah, so um, I think I had kind of really cut my teeth as a sales leader. You know, I had I had started there not really knowing what s- selling was. Right, I was I was quite young. Um, did did extremely well. Um, you know, kind of gained a skill set. And then, um, if anyone's been through mergers and acquisitions and that sort of thing, like some of the challenges that you encounter day to day, I guess, change a little bit at that point in terms of being a little less about, um, you know, building and going and capturing the market and you deal with a lot more kind of internal uh, issues. So I think it just, you know, reached a point where um, I really had the skill set to kind of go out on my own and wanted to take another run at kind of the amazing journey that we had had there up until then. And, uh, you know, do that at, at another company, kind of start earlier again and, and grow it all up again. Yeah. Jake, take me back to that time. Do you recall, was it a pretty quick decision on your part to actually uh, execute this? Or was it a long, or had you been thinking about it for some time before you actually decided to do it? Yeah. And so move, and was, move on. Um, yeah. I mean, it wasn't a quick decision by any means, right? I spent nearly a decade there, right? So um but uh, I guess, you know, multiple things kind of led to me wanting to finally take that leap, um, you know, so, yeah. Fair enough. And so what did you do? End of 18? Where, yeah, where are you so, at now? Um, I went to a company called Studio, which is an ed tech company that sells into uh, high schools and middle schools. So K-12 space hmm. um, based here in the Montreal area as well, had done, um, had been around for about five years um, you know, got a lot of customers just in the local area and, and had just kind of a handful in the U.S. And the they had just raised a, a seed round of about a million. And the goal was to, uh, you know, grow the company from there, similar to the way that I did uh, with Ready Education. Yeah. So came in there and uh, built a team, a, a very lean team pretty quickly. And in about 11 months, we had, uh, you know, done tremendously well and, and built up a lot of sales there. You know, I'm noticing a trend here, uh, education, anything having to do with your mom, maybe. I think maybe this is seeping yeah. in here, Jake. Maybe, totally. maybe that's what you were exposed to as a kid. And you think, yeah, this is noble work here, right? That's, we can give back and, and support. And so you're chief revenue officer at Studio, and you were there for, did you say just over a year? Just over a year, yeah. Okay, um, okay. Responsible for sales. So we had no sales team uh, marketing. We didn't have anyone in marketing at first. And customer success, we didn't have anyone in customer success. So we had a great, fantastic product team, two co-founders, one was a CTO, one was a CEO. And so I came in to, uh, you know, build all of that out. Um, when you joined the organization and decided to, to this next venture, did you go in with the intention of a short-term gig or did you go in 
with this is going to be a long haul. And after a year, you're not there anymore. So what happened? Yeah. So I went in absolutely for the long haul. Um, you know, I had come from joining a company very early on, you know, being involved, having, you know, skin in the game and, and wanting to grow that up. And that was kind of the same uh, idea with studio. Um, I, I think I had learned a lot about in ed tech specifically, when you're selling into education, there's quite high barriers to entry, which are, which are fine. And we had no problem overcoming that. But what it means is that you're going to have a very long journey to dominating the market, basically. Mm-hmm. But at the end, it's very winner takes all kind of market. And so like, if you look in the higher ed space, if you're going to buy an LMS, if you're a university learning management system, there's only a handful of credible, maybe two, three choices that you would yeah. ever consider choosing from. So, you know, and investors, they understand that, that understand ed tech, but a lot of other investors are kind of, you know, stay away from it because it just seems like this hopeless, you know, really long, slow thing. Um, and so I think, you know, having had that experience and having seen, I guess, which markers are required um, in different points of the company, including the people, the leadership that's there uh, to, to kind of make that happen. Mm-hmm. There was a few pieces missing for me personally. Gotcha. Okay. So that was almost a year ago now. And so the, the last 12 months, I imagine, have been uh, anything but smooth waters. I mean, given what we've experienced this year in 2020, you close out 2019, you decide to move on from studio, and then 2020 hits, and the world shuts down in March, and we've all had to pivot and make some adjustments. And so uh, talk to me about the last year. Yeah, so the last year has been incredible. Um, the team at Dialogue is is truly world-class, and you know, it's rare you get to be a part of something where, you know, your next call could literally, you know, set in motion a course of events that would save someone's life, you know, so that's something I always tell my, uh, my SDRs here. But it's interesting, we're very lucky and privileged. And, and I'm very grateful to uh, have been in a spot where when this global pandemic hit, um, what we do at Dialogue is we help people get access to healthcare, right? And, and we do so in a you know mobile tech-based way. So um, it's new to Canada, Paul, but it's been around a long time in the US, telemedicine mm. or virtual care is what it's called. Um, so you can imagine a global pandemic where everyone's afraid of you know contracting the virus and, yeah. and everything else. And they've got these workforces that are now working from home and isolated from each other and not getting that regular human contact. And there's you know kind of a mental health crisis now emerging as well. Um, so we're positioned very well to be able to help a lot of Canadians with that. And that's kind of what we've been doing. So it's been a very busy, crazy uh, time, but uh, we've, we've done tremendously well. And um, it actually ended up, you know, kind of accelerating our business, probably in the time horizon of, you know, collapsing three or four years into one year or something uh, just because of, of COVID. So we're sitting in a bit of a different uh, state than most companies right now. Well, you know, obviously, uh, I'm happy to hear that, not because, you know, the world's hit and we're all, you know, trying to pivot from this thing, but I'm glad to hear that your organization, and I didn't mention this at the start, but you're also director of sales development at Dialogue. And so I'm glad to hear that your company is on the other side where it's actually the value proposition has been positive right now and something that's required versus taking on water, furloughs, laying people off and and, uh, you know, trying to deal with that. So congratulations on, on that. And so I'm glad to hear the 2020 uh, outside of the fact that we're all going through this together from a business side, seems like it's actually been pretty good. 
Fantastic. Yeah. Yep. All right. Good. Well, Jake, man, it's been great meeting you, man. I appreciate you freeing up the time. We joked about this before I hit record here, but we were both intentional about making this happen because it took us a while. We had it on the books and for whatever reason, we needed to move it around. And so uh, no time like the present, right? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Well, good. Well, listen, Jake, thanks so much for freeing up your time here. Uh, final question for you. I always like to ask anybody who's a guest on the podcast, any advice or feedback or something that maybe has served you well personally in your life that if you had one thing to maybe say as a bit of a foundation for you, anything come to mind? Can I do two, Paul? Please. Okay. So one would be that's just going to hit, you know, with this podcast, which is about intention. And I think it's such an important message that you know, cannot be screamed sort of loud enough. And that is like, until you are truly convinced as a salesperson that what you're going to do with that other person, what you're going to communicate to them is going to help them. And you're actually convinced because there's a lot of folks out there that, you know, yeah, okay, sounds great. Amazing. And, and they're trained, yeah. but they're not actually convinced in their heart of hearts. Um, I think that, you know, you're a little bit doomed from the beginning in that you may have some success, but it won't be what you could have if you just kind of get that one piece right. And I think a lot of us struggle with, um, especially now to seemingly some of the younger generation that we'd call millennials or Gen Z, you know, you, you hear a lot of this sentiment of, you know, selling doesn't feel good on my soul, you know, like, <laughs> I, I don't know, like, I need to make money, I need to get a good job, sales seems like a great career path, but like, yeah. you know, all the slimy stereotypes and everything else. So I think that um, a lot of times people just need to convince themselves and be doing something that they truly, truly, truly feel is helpful. And that's a, a great way to sort of help sales and uh, outbound prospecting kind of jive more with your soul. Um, and so that speaks to your point around intent. Um, you know, it's, it, do you intend to actually help them? And you can't intend to actually do it if you're not actually convinced that you can do it. Sort yeah. of. Fair point. Uh, the other one would be just timeliness over perfection. Um, and that's something that's not come easy to me at all. When I was younger, um, was a bit of a perfectionist. Um, you know, I can fall into that category sometimes. And that mantra has been very important to me on my own kind of sales journey, but also entrepreneurial business journey is just you know, really embracing timeliness as being more important than uh, it being the, the perfect quality sort of. Awesome. I, I love that. Great, great way to end. Actually, you know what? I lied. I have one more question for you. You've been in Montreal for a decade. I think it's the law though. You have to be a Habs fan. Are you a Habs fan? <laughs> no, I, I couldn't uh, abandon the lead, Paul. Um, Good man, Jake. Good man. That's the answer we wanted to hear over here, buddy. Good job. All right. Good man. Well, listen, thanks so much for freeing up the time. I appreciate it. My pleasure, Paul. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody, let's wrap another one up right now. Remember, your intention matters. Why? Look, because that's the result you'll tend to get. We're out of here. We're online at sellingasimple.com. We'll catch you next week and be safe, everybody. And for Jake, let's go Leafs. <laughs>